The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Lift them up to the Lord. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south and the transcendent power of God touches earth in the humility of Christ, here and now where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country, we gather for ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered for our gathered congregation here at Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe. We invite your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your decisions, selections of forms of ministry in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
together may we pray. Almighty God, whose blessed Son was led by the Spirit to be tempted by Satan, come quickly to help us who are assaulted by many temptations. And as you know the weaknesses of each of us, let each one find you mighty to save. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Human beings, we are uh, lovers and knowers both. That balance between knowing and loving, what informs and what inspires, is a daily challenge, not an easy balance to strike and reach. And we often fail. We come to our time of confession trusting in the pardon, grace, and mercy of God as while the choir sings, we bow in silent prayer. Let us pray. Beloved, hear the good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the book of Genesis, chapter 9, verses 8 through 17. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you. 
and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
please join me in reading responsively from Psalm 25 with the Antiphon. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be put to shame, and do not let my enemies exult over me. Do not let those who wait for you be put to shame. Let them be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and of your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me, for your goodness' sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his decrees. And now please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel lesson. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark, chapter 1, verses 9 through 15. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. 
And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. The Gospel of the Lord. be seated. In the autumn each year, I have the true pleasure to teach a course on the Gospel of John, aided by a fine teaching assistant, a priest, and poet. We have determined over these five years that it is best that she meet for a fortnight or so, one by one, with all of the 10 or 12 disciples therein to strategize early in the term about their paper due at the end. 
She uses my school of theology office, and so I leave the key to that office in the Marsh Chapel Administrative Center so that who needs it, now she, now I, can find it and go to the other third floor office. This works pretty well, except that it doesn't work. That is, do you know how many times I have found myself going from one thing to another, planted before the door to 336, fishing for the keychain, pulling it out, ready to unlock the door and recognizing at the last that I am without the means of entry over to the other building I go. That should happen just once, but no. <laughs> Frequently, repeatedly, it happens. Carried as I am along by my body, my unconscious, my habits, and my routines, I find myself yet stymied, and so Lent comes to remind us and guide us to move from activity to awareness. We are going to take a journey here at Marsh Chapel this Lent from sensation to reflection. Come with me, one beggar among others, while we find bread together and move on a journey from sensation this Lent to reflection. We begin Jesus meeting us here in the wilderness, in the wilderness that ever quickens reflection, in the wilderness that develops discipline, in the wilderness wherein one can raise the great questions of life, freedom, heaven, God, love, in the wilderness where there is quiet, space, prayer, time. Listen for the gospel, for we begin this journey sorting through our sources, one could even say our media of authority moving forward. This is our shakedown cruise. This is our pilot moment. This is our moment to sort through the kit bag and see what we take together on the journey, our sources of authority. In the gospel, Jesus is surrounded by the word of scripture. This is my beloved. You are meant to remember that that is Psalm chapter 2, verse 7. My beloved, you are meant to remember that is Isaiah 42, chapter 1, scripture. So Jesus, in the gospel, honors tradition. He submits to baptism by John in the Jordan, a most traditional interreligious sacramental moment. In the gospel, Jesus struggles, as we do, with temptation, with the wild beasts, and relies finally on, as do we, angelic blessing. He struggles in his experience and is guided by the spirit, the spirit as elsewhere defined of truth, the mind, the reason. So, straightway, this first Sunday in Lent, our sources of authority are named scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. You love Christ Jesus, and you love the means, the media by which we know him and experience his own love. Sometimes there's a temptation to move that dial of confidence over into certainty. You know, if we were certain about everything, we wouldn't need faith. What lasts? Love, hope, faith, 
confidence, confide. With confidence we move forward, even though we see in a glass darkly, that is at times uncertainly. With me, explore these sources for a moment. You love the scripture. How honored I am to celebrate your love of scripture, of holy scripture. You love its psalmic depths sung today. We might think of the 130th, out of the depths, O Lord, have I cried to thee. You love its strange place and person names. Obedidim happens to be my favorite, maybe yours as well. You love its emphasis on freedom, the exodus comes to mind. You love its wisdom teaching. One man sharpens another like iron sharpens iron. You love its memories of Jesus, particularly his kindness to children. You love its honesty about religion in Ecclesiastes and Galatians. And you love its ethereal mysterium tremendum in the Gospel of John and elsewhere. It's a a shared love. The scripture teaches us the grammar, syntax, and spelling of faith. It allows us to practice our tongue, our real mother tongue, of confidence. And across, really, the globe today, one may be listening in Sydney, Australia, either live or by recording. Another may be making her way out of her automobile, having already led a service of worship and listening for what you might hear about Mark 1 there in Newton. Another may be on the North Shore, turning up the volume, pulling out an English muffin and a cup of tea and listening for the word of scripture, which we love. It's our way of speaking faith one to another. You love the scripture. It's our authority, but we're moving from sensation to reflection, so we at least need to think a minute about this, don't we? And straightway we recognize that the scripture, which we love, is errant. We love others not because they're perfect. Those married raise their hand. We love because others are lovely, lovable. The scripture is not inerrant. That is, Luke sometimes misses his geographical orientation. That is, in the Gospel of John, the poor woman taken in adultery is sometimes found in chapter 8. Sometimes she's not there at all. Sometimes she's found at the end of the Gospel. And in one text, she's found in the middle of St. Luke. You recognize that Paul did not write 3 Corinthians from the early, late 2nd, early 3rd century, nor did he write 1st or 2nd Timothy, Titus, Ephesians, Colossians, 2nd Thessalonians, or Hebrews. You recognize that there is a chasm of difference between John and his synoptic siblings. You recognize the errant, time-bound quality of Scripture. The Scripture's teaching on slavery, for instance, is as errant and time-bound as its teaching on women not speaking in church. Its teaching on women not speaking in church is as errant and time-bound as its verses in Romans 2 on homosexuality. Its verses in Romans 2 are as errant and time-bound as its various different lists of the 12 disciples. Just who were they by name? Would you please search it through? The lists of the disciples are as errant and time-bound as its many other human features. No, we love the scripture, but we recognize that it is, though fundamental, formative, 
truth-giving and authoritative. It is not exclusively authoritative. This pulpit and many with it, do you hear this? It begs to be heard. Recognizes the prototypical authority of scripture, but does not affirm scriptura sola. No, we love the scripture. This year I might read again Throckmorton's gospel parallels to see how Mark 1 matches up with Matthew and Luke. Or I might read again some of the books of Jacques Ellul about the technological society and scripture. You love the scripture. You love the tradition of the church too. You're good Methodists in that regard. I, re- I realize that most of, us, most of us here are not cradle Methodists, but we recognize John Wesley whose sculpture sits there, his form as we enter Marsh Chapel. He loved the tradition of the church. He loved the history of the church and you do too. But in his era, there was a real conflict brewing over the apostolic succession. And he said of it in a simple phrase, a fable all. In other words, he recognized the power of tradition, but also its gradual expansion in equality. We'll use that word today, even as we've used errancy for scripture. Equality emerges over time in, in the tradition of the church. So we recognize the ecumenical teaching, reminded of it this week, that the need of the poor takes priority over the wants of the rich. That the freedom of the dominated takes priority over the liberty of the powerful. That the participation of the marginalized takes priority over the structure of exclusion. That is, there's a gradually expanding circle of love in the tradition of the church at our best. At your best, Boston University, you have embraced over many years the laborer, the worker, the immigrant, the former slave, the person of color, women, and including and moving into our time even more fully, gay people, otherwise abled people, the interreligious community, and the global population. We're not done, but we build on a tradition which you love that expands the circle of equality, fairness, justice, and truth. If I have a moment this Lent, I may read Albert Borgman's Power Failure, Christianity in a Technical Society. You love, too, the reason, how could you not, here at Boston University, this great height citadel of learning, of learning and piety, virtue and piety we trust as well in the scripture. We shall love the Lord with all our heart and soul and mind. Come, says the psalmist, let us reason together. The reason is such a powerful, wonderful, human gift, and you love it, and rightly, rightly so. And yet that scripture continues, doesn't it? There is, like unto it, another command. Heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Let me put it to you straight. To last, learning will, be, will need to be rooted in loving. To last over time, learning will need to be rooted in loving. And so we gather this day to 
play our role in this community across the globe and across New England here in Boston and at Boston University. You have a voice, Marsh Chapel. Like a minaret or a shofar or a village steeple, you need to ring the bell. Ring the bell that connects learning with vital piety and continue to expand the circle of affection that allows for the development over time. And it is a, a, an uphill climb of a faith amenable to culture and a culture amenable to faith. Oh, I might just reread this Lent, Christian Smith's re recent book about 18 to 23 year olds lost in transition, the dark side of emerging adulthood. You love reason because it allows us to explore the evolution of the world. I mean, we recognize a 14 billion year old creation universe when we see it. We recognize a 4 billion year old solar system and planet Earth when we see it. You recognize a hominid some 100 to 200,000 years old. And right there in the pew, you carry 6 billion cells, each one of you, and at least 60 mutations per person, you mutant, you, you human being, you. We love reason, but we recognize moving from sensation to reflection that reason alone can bring hatred and horror and holocaust. Lasting learning will be rooted in loving, and of course you love here in this setting experience in music and hymnody, in worship and psalm and scripture. This last Ask Wednesday, oh, the emotion and the fullness of our 6 p.m. service was all that one could bear, led almost exclusively by the next generation. How happy it is to see the next generation coming along and none too soon. The experience of grace and freedom, you love that experience. It's an authoritative checkpoint. Sometimes we don't trust our experience enough. You know, Jacques Ellul wrote some decades ago about the technological society. He said, I worry about the suppression in our time of the subject, and I worry about the suppression of meaning. By the suppression of the subject, he went on to say, I mean that in traditional human relations, in human communication, there is some combination over long time of voice, of sight, of physical connection without which there grows a great distance. We might add with Buber, not I thou, but I it. Likewise, he said, there's a suppression of meaning that occurs when all of the means to future developments, so important they are, by the way, lasting, they're not going away, Facebook and Twitter and email and all, said he, they have the capacity to occlude or efface the larger questions. Our focus on rationality and efficiency, the means, can keep us from asking the big question, we'll put it this way this morning, why am I alive? What am I doing here? What is the nature and destiny and purpose of my being? Now, I'm going to invite you across the airwaves, around the globe, in New England and in the pew. No, I'm going to challenge you to go with me on a cyber diet 
this Lent. You can start tomorrow morning. Monday morning, you arise and say simply, you write it in your date book, I promise, wherever I am, I will be there. Tuesday, you may arise and say to yourself, before I check my Facebook, I'm going to face my checkbook. <laughs> Wednesday, you may arise and realize these orders need borders, that here are my rules. When I receive a voicemail, I return it in one day. When I receive an email in three days and regular mail in seven days. Or Thursday, you may take it a bit farther and take a step up with each communication. Move toward the human, step by step, so that when you receive a Facebook communication, up the step you reply by email. And email, up the step you reply by voice. And voice, up the step you reply by letter. And letter, up the step you reply by an actual human visit and conversation, mirable dictu, blessed be it. Then on Friday, you may simply say, I'm going to reply to all my email this next week on Wednesday morning. I'll read it, I'll watch the emergencies, but all of my composition I will do when I am clear of mind, because Saturday, you may arise and just remind yourself, email is indelible, international, irretrievable, irremediable, eternal. So write it, as long as you don't mind seeing it, on the front page of the Boston Globe or chiseled on your tombstone. <laughs> we are gathered to celebrate the sources of authority that guide us as we move from sensation to reflection. We admit errancy, we affirm evolution, we admire experience, we explore uh, learning, we are those who trust in the source and medium of God's grace and truth to guide us. And so we have, as the promissory conclusion, Noah speaking to us. This, the rainbow, will be my sign, my seal, my promise of covenant, spiritual bond between me and all flesh. And so Noah's covenant will take us straightway to that of Abraham and then straightway to that of Moses, and then straightway to that of David, and then straightway to that of Jeremiah, and then to the new covenant, which opens before us in grace and freedom and love this Lent. This past Wednesday, I walked on Commonwealth Avenue. A friend came alongside me, and we chatted for some blocks. That's kind of like a sermon, one beggar telling another where they can both find bred in a cyber age. He turned left and I continued, but he caught up with me two blocks later and I said, what are you doing here? And he said, well, you know, I've been so used to turning left there. My office used to be over there. Now it's straight ahead, but I've three, four, five times, I've just turned left. My habits, my ritual, my unconscious, my body just took me there. And I said, well, you know, I have the pleasure every autumn of teaching a course in the Gospel of John with the help of a teaching assistant who uses my office and I forget my key, you human being, you. We are moving from sensation to reflection, from sensation to reflection, from sensation to reflection. Amen.
We now come to the time in our service when we turn our hearts and minds to prayer and lift up our lives and ourselves to God. Please assume an attitude and posture of prayer by either remaining seated, standing, kneeling, or coming to the communion rail as we sing together our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord. Let us now pray for the church and the world. I will conclude each prayer with merciful God. Please respond with hear our prayer. God, we pray for the church universal, ecumenical councils, churches and other places in our country and abroad and their leaders, and for us here on Commonwealth Avenue at Marsh Chapel. Merciful God, hear our prayer. We pray for the nations and all those in authority that they may make wise decisions based on love and fairness for all people. Merciful God, hear our prayer. We pray for justice and peace in all the world in the midst of war, poverty, and selfishness. Merciful God, hear our prayer. We pray for the health of those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit, that you may bring comfort. Merciful God, hear our prayer. We pray for the needs of families, single people, and the lonely. Merciful God, hear our prayer. We pray for reconciliation with adversaries so that we may be an example of your love. Merciful God, hear our prayer. We pray for all who are oppressed or in prison. Merciful God, hear our prayer. We pray for our local community in Boston and all other communities so that your healing and gracious presence would shine in the dark places. Merciful God, hear our prayer. And now as our Savior Christ has taught us, we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
peace of the Lord be always with you. Good morning. We welcome you once again to the Nave of Marsh Chapel and hope that you will take a moment to help us get to know you better so we can get to know everyone better by signing your name in the red book at the center aisle of each pew. We are pleased to announce that this year Marsh Chapel will be adding a service to its day on Easter Sunday. Um, we'll have a new service at 9 a.m. It will be the same liturgy as the 11 a.m. service, so we hope that you will come to the earlier one to help us spread out the um, amount of people who come on Sunday morning. <laughs> um, it looks like we have an undergraduate here this morning. Um, Kate, do you have a special announcement for us? I do, Rachel. This Lent at Marsh Chapel, we are emphasizing student participation. So, today the chapel would love to treat any undergraduate to lunch at Warren Towers. Simply meet me on the plaza directly following the service. Thank you, Kate. For all other upcoming services and activities, we would encourage you to keep an eye on our chapel website, where you'll also find the opportunity for online giving. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
God of glory, receive our gifts and gratitude. Transform them into a source of life for many, so that your kingdom may grow in the hearts of all. Amen. Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. May the sun show warm and bright on you, your darkest night a star shine through, your dullest morn a radiance brew, and when dusk comes, God's hand to you. The blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and forevermore. Amen.